So today we celebrate Easter, the resurrection of the Lord, showing us that he has power over death, that he has conquered death, that he is greater than even death. And this helps us to have confidence, confidence in all the promises that he has given us, that death doesn't have the last word, but that he, the Lord, does because he has conquered it through his resurrection. And during this time of celebration, lots of families enjoy celebrating Easter. And one of the ways is with candy. Children, they get candy and they really enjoy it. And sometimes, and I can say this is true of myself in the past, in the past, (laughs) that I would just kind of like gouge on the candy because I wanted a lot of it and it tasted so good. But good parents would warn their children not to do that because you can get sick from that. And those who uh, don't follow that advice would have to then learn from experience. And hopefully they would realize, oh, mom and dad are right, I shouldn't have done that. During this time of celebration with families, the parents are trying to help the children to be their best, trying to help them so that they can be as good as they possibly can. And the same is true for God. The Heavenly Father wants what's best for all of us. And He tells us what's best. He tries to guide us and lead us to what's best, so that we can be with Him forever in heaven, but also have an experience of heaven to some degree, even here on earth. Now sometimes, though, we still make bad choices, Sometimes other people make bad choices and cause us to suffer. Sometimes there's still confusion in this life, even if we're in a good relationship with the Lord. But through that relationship with the Lord, it can help us to get through those difficult and confusing times. If we think about our gospel passage today, Jesus has been risen from the dead, and his disciples go to the empty tomb. And as we heard at the very end, they did not understand the scriptures. They didn't understand why the tomb was empty. They didn't understand where his body was. If we look at the Gospels, Jesus tells them at least three times before it happens that he's going to have to suffer and die on the cross and on the third day be raised from the dead. And yet when it happens, his disciples are confused. They don't get it. It's not the way that they expected it to be. But in this moment where they see the empty tomb, maybe they started to remember what he said. Maybe they got a glimpse or a hint that what he had told them in advance is coming true in their midst. Maybe they got a glimpse of God, a glimpse of all the promises that he has given them when they saw that empty tomb. Later on, as we know, in the Acts of the Apostles, And in the very end of some of the Gospels, we hear about Jesus appearing multiple times to his disciples. In fact, St. Paul talks about over 500 witnesses, 500 of Jesus' disciples, seeing Jesus, the risen Lord, appear to them. But we also know that they say, as we heard in our first reading, that Jesus only appeared to those who knew him before. We might wonder, well, why? Because they can testify that it's the same person. When he was walking on earth, they knew who he was. They journeyed with him, especially the 12 apostles. They were with him for three years. 
So when he appears to them in glory, they can tell that he's the same person. Maybe not initially, because of the shock of his death. But they realize that it really is him. They recognize the truth. And they get a glimpse of what heaven would be like. Their faith has an increase. In that brief moment of those encounters, when Jesus appears to them, talks to them, and then disappears again, they know it's real. They have that experience. Now here on earth, if God were to show himself in his complete glory, we would be so overwhelmed, we couldn't handle it. So here on earth, God only reveals himself in these brief holy moments, these glimpses of the truth. And one of the ways he reveals that it's all true is through prophecy. One of the ways he lets us know that this isn't fake or just made-up stories is that he tells us in advance what to expect. As Jesus told the disciples what to expect, God also tells humanity what to expect in many prophecies in the Old Testament. In fact, I'd like to share with you a couple of prophecies from the prophet Daniel. You might wonder, why the prophet Daniel and who is Daniel? Daniel was a prophet in the 6th century, so about 600 years before Jesus, while all of the Jewish people were in exile in Babylon. They had lost their homeland, the promised land that was given to them, because they kept sinning despite God's warnings time and time again, telling them to turn away from false gods and to remain in relationship with him. They didn't listen, and so they suffered the consequences of their own poor choices and were brought into exile. But even in exile, God was with them. Even in exile, there were still prophets. Even in exile, God was showing them his love. And I'm not going to read to you the passages, but I'll just kind of summarize them. In Daniel chapter 7, Daniel has a dream. And in his dream, he sees a lion, and then a bear, and then a leopard, and then a beast, and then the Son of Man. And the king, Nebuchadnezzar, in Babylon also has a dream. And in his dream, he sees a statue of a king. And at the top, the head is made of gold. And then the next part, silver. And then the next part, bronze. And then the next part, iron. And then the feet, iron mixed with clay. And God, through Daniel, explains what King Nebuchadnezzar's dream meant. Because after he saw that statue, a rock, hewn from a mountain but not by human hands, comes crashing into the statue and obliterates it. And then the rock grows and fills the whole world. These prophecies point to the kingdom of God. For Daniel's dream, each animal, each creature, each thing represented a king. The lion was the first one, the bear the second, the leopard the third, the fourth was the fourth king, and then the son of man. And we see in the, the empires, the kingdoms, uh, from Nebuchadnezzar's dream about the multiple layers. If we compare that to history and we recognize that these are kingdoms, what we discover is the Babylonian kingdom. That's where Nebuchadnezzar was. He was the king of Babylon. That's where Daniel was. That was the moment that they had. But then that kingdom was replaced by the Medo-Persian kingdom in the 5th century. You have to remember, these are B.C., so it goes backwards. We get closer to Christ as the number gets smaller. Then there was the Greek kingdom in the 4th century B.C. 
And then the Roman Empire in the first century BC. And then lastly, we have the kingdom of God. We can look at history. We see that what was predicted 600 years beforehand has taken place. These kingdoms replace each other. And Jesus is the rock that smashes the statue. The Roman Empire was the iron mixed with clay, partly strong but partly weak. It shattered. The Messiah had to come then during the time of the Roman Empire. And he did in the person of Jesus Christ. But God reveals even more in chapter 9 of Daniel. And I'll just read some brief phrases from his prophecy. It said, Going forth of the word to restore and build Jerusalem. So because of the exile, Jerusalem was destroyed. But they made their way back in the Medo-Persian kingdom. And then there was a decree to rebuild the temple by King... uh, All right, I'm really bad with names. Arzexis of Persia. I apologize to anyone who knows how to pronounce that. But that was in 457 BC. In this prophecy, we're told 70 weeks of years. So there's seven days in a week. So seven times 70 is 490. And if we take 457 and we add 490 to it, we get 33 AD. Does that sound familiar? It might to some. The very next line is, the Messiah will be cut off. That means put to death. 33 AD is when Jesus died. This was predicted. This was announced by God well in advance. And lastly, it says, city and sanctuary will be destroyed. In 70 AD, the temple and the city Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman Empire. And so God is revealing, this is all true. This actually happened. And he told us it was going to happen to the year that it happened. He told us that the Messiah was going to come. He told us that the city was going to be destroyed. And it did. It did happen. That helps us to know that these aren't just stories. This is truth. This is real. God wants a relationship with all of us. And he helps us through these moments of clarity. He helps us through prophecy to know that he is real and he loves us. That he became man and died on the cross so that we can have eternal life. And we might think, okay, that's nice. So we get to go to heaven. Well, yes, if we love the Lord, if we follow the Lord as he calls us, we do get to go to heaven. But like I said, we get to also experience heaven to some degree here on earth. In the midst of our daily lives, in the midst of our messiness, in the midst of our suffering, we can still recognize God is with us, God loves us, and he's helping us to be the best we can be and guiding us to heaven. I'll give you a a very recent example. Um, In the midst of my own suffering, I can recognize God and his presence. That is... As many of you know, last weekend on Palm Sunday, my dad passed away. But even as his cancer was slowly bringing him to his end, I could see how God was at work. Not only through my prayer and my conversations with God was he bringing me consolation and comfort, still painful, but with God, a lot easier. 
I can't imagine what it would be like to suffer the death of my father without being in a good relationship with the Lord. But even in the midst of what's going on, the activity of my life, I could see God at work. Because when I knew that my dad only had a matter of days to live, and I told the other priests here at ICD what was going on, God, through Monsignor Ted, volunteered to take confessions and my 12.30 p.m. Mass on Palm Sunday. And I thought, well, Dad's got a couple more days to live. Like, I can still do confessions. I can still have that Mass. But the Lord was working through me, too. And it's like, accept this. Let it happen. It's like, okay, doesn't make sense to me, but I'll let it happen. My plan was to visit my dad on Sunday when I had more time. But because I didn't have confessions on Saturday, I was able to visit him on Saturday. And it's a blessing that I was able to do so. Because my dad's condition had gotten worse on Saturday. He wasn't able to hold a conversation anymore. He was having difficulty recognizing who was there or being present, often staring off in the distance. And I got to offer him anointing of the sick for the second time. But this time, some of my family was there with me. And as I was starting the prayers, he made the sign of the cross. He had some understanding of what was going on. And while it was difficult for me to get through the prayers and offer him the sacrament, seeing him suffering in this way, I was able to do so because God did something unexpected and had the confessions that I was going to be doing taken care of by Monsignor. But then the next day, I also see God at work because I was supposed to have the 12.30 p.m. Mass. And I celebrated Mass here at 10.30. And after Mass, I noticed my sister had called me. So I called her back. And she told me that my dad had already passed. Now at that moment, I was in no condition to celebrate Mass. I was an emotional wreck. I just wouldn't be able to get through it. But I didn't have to. Because God knew it was coming, and he already made arrangements. I noticed he was there, in the midst of my suffering. He was at work, preparing the way, so that I could be there with my family and mourn with my family in the presence of my father's body in the hospital. This is our God who loves us. He wants to help us through the difficulties of life and guide us to be with him forever in heaven. It was a blessing to see my dad the couple times that I did while he was in the hospital. I got to learn some things about him that I didn't know before. The first time I visited him in the hospital, and it was just me and him, he told me that his favorite holiday was Easter. And he believed in the resurrection. And so that gives me hope. That because he believes in the resurrection, he's looking forward to the second coming of Christ when, he's, when he will be raised from the dead. That gives me hope that I'll see him again. When we're all raised from the dead at the end of time, when Christ comes again in glory. This is real. God loves us. He cares about us. He wants to help us through life and help us to experience the joy that he has in store for us forever in heaven.
And yes, there can still be hardships, there can still be difficulties here on earth, but he can make them easier to bear. He can help us carry those crosses and bring good out of the suffering. And I see it. I see it in my own life. These moments, these special times, when we're surrendering to God, when we're able to recognize Him at work in our lives, sometimes can be called holy moments. In fact, a famous Catholic author, Matthew Kelly, wrote a book called Holy Moments. And in it, he helps us to understand and recognize these times, these moments where God is at work in our lives, where we get a glimpse of the truth of our God trying to help us get through the difficulties and challenges of life. He says, A holy moment is a single moment in which you open yourself to God. You make yourself available to Him. You set aside personal preference and self-interest. And for one moment, you do what you prayerfully believe God is calling you to do. And through these holy moments, we know the truth of God. Our faith is strengthened. Through these holy moments, we experience His love. And we can follow Him more easily, even when it's difficult to do so. God is a loving Father who tells us what's best for us, who wants to help us to have a good and holy life here on earth and to experience the joy of the resurrection He has in store for us. But we need to respond to that love, to follow His lead, and let him guide us. And so, to help you in your journey, this Easter, we are offering every family a copy of Matthew Kelly's book, Holy Moments, so you can better recognize and receive that grace that God has to offer you, to get a glimpse of what heaven is like. If you want to go deeper into the history and evidence of Christ and the reality and the truth of it, then I recommend the book, The Case for Jesus by Brant Petrie. This book was our Easter gift back in 2018. Uh, it's a great read. It goes into even more detail on those prophecies that I've mentioned to you, as well as a great number of other things to help you understand that it's all real, that it's historical fact, and that God really did become man, give up his life on the cross for our salvation, to take away our sins and grant us eternal life. And we can experience that if we follow Him, if we love Him. So let us take a moment now to recall those times when perhaps in the past we've had those holy moments and experienced God and His love and His grace. Let us recall those times and put our trust in the Lord as we prepare to meet Him in the most Holy Eucharist.